Welcome to another episode of Manny Talks. I am your host, Manny De La Cruz, and as always, I want to thank you for making yourself available to listen to this conversation. Today, we're going to get a chance to talk to Cindy Sanchez. She is a project coordinator with uh, Schlumberger, and she has worked for a couple of the different uh, subsidiaries of, of Schlumberger in this capacity and others. She's going to share a bit about her story and what it means to be a project coordinator and a project manager uh, out in industry, and she'll also provide her perspective on the first five years of her career. What has she learned? What has she learned about yourself? And what is her advice? So before we get into this conversation, this past weekend, I had uh, the pleasure of being part of the memorial of a dear friend, um, a mentor, Noe Gonzalez. He is was the past bias national president and someone who mentored me, someone that I met almost 15 years ago as a freshman at San Antonio College. And he took the time and he's a big part of why I am where I'm at today to Esther and his family. I am very sorry for your loss. Noe will be missed. Rest in peace, Noe. All right. Okay. I think we can get rolling. I think we can. Yeah. Look, I just Yay! had to, I had to start it and restart it and end it and so on. Hey, but it worked. But it finally worked. So we already it talked, worked. we already talked a whole bunch of fun stuff already about urban legends and stuff. We're going to have to work that. Yeah. We're going to bring it back in like and pretend like we're just now talking about it. But I don't okay. know. We'll figure it out. We'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. All right. Let's start with the basic stuff, right? Uh, basic introduction, you know, what kind of engineer are you? Where did you go to school? Part of the reason I wanted to talk to you is because I know that you're you're still in that early career, but it's been a few years, right, that you've been a mm-hmm. professional and there's some things that I want to tackle in that uh, in that space and also hit on some chisme or something similar <laughs> to it. And oh, so, yeah, yeah, but we can't get going with that unless I know who you are. Or people know a bit more about who you are. So let's start there. Sure. So my name is Cindy Sanchez. I am truly honored to be a uh, feature on your podcast. I've been listening to a lot of your episodes, and I know that you give out really good information uh, for anyone listening. So I am a an industrial engineer uh, from the University of Houston. Go Cougs. Obviously, you got to throw that in there. Um, I graduated in 2017, and since then, I have been working with Schlumberger. Uh, at first, I was a rotational engineer. I did four different rotations across two different years in two different locations. Um, one in Katy, Texas, and the, the, that was the first year, and the second year in Oklahoma City. Um, once I finished with that in 2019, I moved back to Houston, and I landed the role of project coordinator. So I started my role in project management at one subsea. So that's all subsea production systems projects that I manage now. Um, I just started, well, I guess not just started, but I am now leading my own project, uh, which is pretty exciting. Um, and yeah, along the way, I got very involved with recruiting as well. That's something that from the beginning I knew that I wanted to become involved in. Um, so after my two years of um, rotations, I was allowed to help in recruitment events, go out to career fairs, info sessions, and represent Slumberger. And so, so much so that I 
was then nominated to become one of the first diversity campus managers. So what that is, is we have campus managers for every specific um, ambassador school that Schlumberger indicates is an ambassador school. And I helped as a campus manager the my third year for um, a specific school in Colorado. And then because of my involvement then, we did a lot of really good sessions, really good recruiting, and we were able to expose the school to summer day for the first time when um i guess everybody saw how i got the shep chapter there involved because i've always been involved with shep and i'll talk a little bit more about that as well um but that kind of led to my name being thrown in the pot for the new two roles in 2020 for diversity campus managers where, where we would help all of the specific campus managers um get to know or get in contact with affinity groups. So me specifically, um, Shep, right? Because I was heavily involved with Shep. We have somebody who's heavily involved with Nesby and somebody else who's heavily involved with SWE. So I thought that was really cool to get that recognition and the opportunity to represent Shep within Slumberger and merge those two together. Now you were um, doing that, like you're, you were doing that, uh, that role. Was it a separate role or just along with like your normal duties? That is a separate volunteering role, okay. I, I will add. So I don't get paid for any of that. I get paid <laughs> to do, you know, project coordinator yeah. uh, tasks and duties. And then I find the time, I make the time uh, to volunteer at career fairs, to help out with resume critiques, interviews, first round, second round, sometimes third round um, for the company. Um, as a whole, so global positions and for my specific group project management. Um, so, yeah, so I, I must really like it if I'm doing it as a volunteering yeah. side gig. Right. Yeah, so I got, yeah, you. It's, it's always something I've, I've loved. And I was, since I was a student, I, I always knew I wanted to be on the other side, right? Like I want to come to my alma mater and talk to the students and, and give some of those students opportunities that, I was fortunate enough to have. So yep, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. No, for sure. I get it. it. It's definitely something that folks do out of uh, passion, right? And that's, of course, that's where I met you. No surprise. I meet a lot of people that I talked to through ship. We were at a ship event. And, and mm -hmm. one thing that uh, I noticed was your, your energy and it, it, it's, uh, uh, I saw you, you use it in talking with students and so on. So I'm not surprised that you got rolled into recruiting efforts uh, early on in uh, your career. Before I move on, I want to add, because there was, mm -hmm. if I, if someone looks at your LinkedIn, right, it shows that you worked for Cameron, a Schlumberger company, and one subsea, right, a Schlumberger mm -hmm. company. Can you explain a little bit about how that's set up? And you also, I guess you mentioned as part of rotations, like, is was mm -hmm. it in, was it always part of the plan for you to go to these different companies? So just maybe shed some light a bit on the structure and then maybe talk a little bit about the rotation that you were you were referring to. Yeah, of course. So I know as a student, it can be very daunting or very intimidating because you're like, oh, should I say Cameron or one sub C or Slumberger? Am I going to be, you know, ridiculed for saying the yeah. wrong thing? And not at all. Um, so I think back five, six, seven years ago, um, Slumberger and Cameron were two separate companies. Um, they came together uh, to form a joint venture called One Subsea, and that was to merge the equipment from Cameron and the services and, 
and uh, personnel that Summerjay um, and, and I guess expertise in the field that Summerjay could provide to come together and uh, do substance production systems. So that was 50% Summerjay, 50% Cameron. Well, later on, Summerjay acquired Cameron, and in doing so, they also acquired, fully acquired One Sub C. Now, Cameron and One Sub C, those names in the oil and gas industry are very well known, and not just for the people, but for the products, for the quality of the products and services that we provide. So uh, we decided to keep those names and just attach a Summerjay company at the end of it so that you would know that even though, yes, this is Cameron, yes, this is one sub C, but it's under the Summerjay umbrella. So when I first joined, I was in a rotational program through Cameron, a Summerjay company. So that program was initially a Cameron I guess they call it Cameron Legacy, right? Um, coming from the old Cameron, it was a primarily Cameron program that was adopted by Summerjay. They decided, you know what, this is a really good program. We want to keep it. We'll just keep it as, you know, um, the GRDP, which is the Graduate Rotational Development Program um, under Cameron, a, sub, a Summerjay company. Um once I completed my two years, we kind of get placed into different roles depending on how well we did, what our interests are, and what business needs are. Um, and I was interested in project management from the beginning. And the only project management opportunity at that time was one sub C. So I said, you know what? Uh, that's something completely different. I've never really like seen the equipment or the processes. Um, but you know what? Uh, I'll jump in, so, into something new because that's something that I was used to doing anyway, with every six months going to a new department or every year going to a new facility and meeting new people, new everything. So I was very adaptive to change. And I said, you know what, well, why not go somewhere new? So that way I can, I know a little bit of drilling, a little bit of valves, and now I'll learn a little bit more about subsea um, systems. So that's how I landed in one subsea. Assumption Company, and I feel like that was a very good overall explanation of how we work uh, between the business lines. Yeah, no, because I mean, and you're and you're in that talking about like essentially heritage brands that mm -hmm. or legacy, as you call them, right? Same, same. Like in Exxon mm -hmm. Mobil, we call them heritage in some cases, right? So at one point, mm -hmm. like for us, it was you had Exxon as a company, you had Mobil as a company, they merged. It was Exxon Mobil, but there was some individual product brands that already existed, like Mobile One, right? Or yeah. and so you might still see a mobile station, but that's just because the brand, like you said, it it it, it implies something, quality, yeah. legacy, heritage, whatever you want to call it. So it kind of sticks. So again, it was more just it's always nice like you said, as a student, it's like even just under understanding the, like some of the terminology of corporation and what companies mm -hmm. are under that corporation and, you know, then the brands, it becomes, uh, it can be pretty daunting. So anywho, yeah. so you were, there, there's a lot more too that, uh, that I am not aware of or familiar of under Slumberger, the services side. Um, so it's, it's, it's a whole world. And um, do, and do you find that just like, I guess right now you've been able to go through, right from Cameron to, to, to one subsea as mm -hmm. you're trying to navigate your career within Schlumberger, is that portfolio of companies like possibilities or do you tend to, does it tend to stay 
just in one segment. How is career management from your view? No, absolutely. The opportunity is always there. Um, and that's something that I really like to talk about when I'm at a recruiting event. And, you know, students are like, oh, what do you like the most about Summershake? I think the most important thing for me is uh, borderless careers is what we call it. And what that means is, OK, I am in project management now. Right. But if I, for whatever reason, want to I'm in. I'm very heavily involved with recruiting. I want that to be my main job. I want to get a role as a recruiter or a talent acquisition manager. All I have to do is voice that uh, interest to my manager included in our um, internal portfolio, like our internal LinkedIn, if you will. Um, And once I have my mid-year and year mid-year and annual evaluation, um, I can discuss it with my manager. And if there are any roles or opportunities, um, he is my advocate and my sponsor for that. Um, that's one way. Another way is you can talk to t- uh, talent recruiter, talent managers um, yourself, and they might be aware of other opportunities that your manager, your direct functional manager is not. Um, and they can try to also change your role into that if if the cards are right have you done some of that where you've had to just like i guess i'll call it cold call a talent manager in your last in your your last five years i haven't had to do that um i've had a couple of roles come to me actually and i think what really speaks here is the fact that i do really well i feel every company has their evaluation process right so ours is very um very transparent i will say so if you're a really good performer hiring managers are going to know that you're a really good performer aside from word of mouth right if i'm doing a really good job um people are going to see it especially in something like project management since we talk to quality sales marketing um i mean anybody anyone that you I don't know how to explain it, but we, we talked to a very, a lot of people and I talked to people globally as well. And I think that really speaks to why a lot of us in project management and a few other uh, business segments, opportunities come to them because people already are aware that they're doing a good job or they hear their name pretty often yeah. or they see their emails or they see that they're very technically um they're, they're, they lean more on the technical side or they're very um, emotionally intelligent, right? You want somebody like that as your managers for specific roles, et cetera. So um, I haven't had to do cold calls. Um, I also am very happy where I'm at right now. I'm actually moving through some milestones and trying to get to project manager. Yeah. Um, and, and so I want to stay in my group in order to get to that level. And I think that's because I'm so focused on that i I don't want to move away from it just yet what i'm hearing is you were alluding to hey throughout your time you've built a reputation Mm -hmm. through your work items through the way you approach them through your your while your role it gives you this global stage right on account of who you're working with visibility right there's Mm -hmm. the visibility that comes with it but then at the same time the way you operate your behaviors at work have yeah. benefited you to the point where yeah. people are know about opportunities and then are reaching out to you 
and mm-hmm. and as opposed to you having to 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 cold call. I think yeah, that's the message there, folks. I mean, you got to. It's like almost <laughs> like it doesn't. Someone's always watching in a sense, right? Yep. Not necessarily mm-hmm. that you're trying to like constantly wheel and deal, but every like throughout your work, like folks are, especially if you're in a place where there's potential growth, right? Yeah. People are remembering interactions with you right how you communicate like even alluded to like the way you write emails like all of that is like yeah you know cindy and i are working on project abc and then i get what i need for project abc on this in this communication but i'm like dang she really does well you Mm -hmm. know delivering a message and that just kind of sticks in the back of somebody's somebody's head so uh, or even a conversation that you have you know in the office now that a lot of us are going back into the office more days a week um you might run into somebody, you know, that's in higher upper management and you might know them. You might not. It might just be a very casual, like, Oh, this weekend, what are you? Oh, I'm going scuba diving. Wow. Okay. And then you ask each other like, Oh, I'm, I'm Cindy Sanchez from project management. That's actually what happened recently. Um, I was with somebody in the elevator and I just made, you know, small talk at the end of the day, time to go home. Oh, what are you up to tonight? Like, you know, what are your plans? I'm, I'm going to go to sleep early. And he laughed and he ended up being head of HR for all of one sub C. Um, and I didn't know that because he also does not have an updated picture on his internal, um, profile, but that's beside the point. Was he all, Um, was he all young in his picture? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so always update your internal profiles if you already work at a at a company. That is very important for people to recognize you. If they don't see your name on emails yeah, or they, sure. they don't know who you are. I think yeah. I threw you off. But yeah, your point being is, hey, you ran into, you know, it's it's the not just the work stuff, but some of these other mm-hmm. interactions you never, you know. It, it yeah. could end up being somebody of uh, influence. So, somebody let, important. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Let's talk a little bit about your current role, right? So, you said you're doing yeah. project coordination. I think your your goal is to get into project management. So, mm-hmm. as a project coordinator, what do you do? And then maybe in 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 your response, also talk about. I want to get to the point where we talk about project management. Like, what is that? I think. People use that term very broadly at times. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to know what it means, you know, to for you and what you're trying to accomplish with your career. So project coordinator compared to project manager and project management. Well, how about let's start with project management. So managing a project is as simple and complex as you can probably think of, right? Because it's simple in the fact of, Okay, so you have a project, you have a budget uh, that you have to manage, you have, you know, your scope that's defined, either well-defined or generally defined. Um, So you have an idea as to what exactly the deliverables are. You have a schedule or you have a baseline um, that you have to work against. And um, you also have to manage relationships with all of the stakeholders whether it's your clients, your, your external clients, your internal clients, your vendors, and your team. Um, so project management is a lot about influence and leadership. You have to be socially adaptable and emotionally intelligent in order to do a, a, a well-done job. Um, 
what's you need to understand what's important to everyone who is a stakeholder in your project because obviously a client to a client it's important that your your product is delivered on time and to their spec right to what was agreed to um and obviously in budget but that's also going to be important to our internal team right mainly upper management myself we need to stay within the budget. Sometimes, you know, vendors don't care. And they're like, yeah, this one tiny part is going to be $100,000. And it's like, okay, well, no, <laughs> we can't do that, right? So you have to be able to manage relationships. You have to negotiate a lot of times when you're trying to, when you're talking to vendors, when you're talking to clients, um, scope creep. So there's a lot that goes into it. And that's why I was like, it's as simple and complex. Mm-hmm as you think it is, because as soon as you start your project, you're like, oh yeah, okay, this is simple. But everything, if you dig deeper and deeper and deeper, you'll never get out. So you have to be good in prioritizing, one, two, and handling stress, right? Because you're gonna be stressed when you're talking to clients, because as a project coordinator or a project manager, you're not always going to give good news. And most of the time it's going to be bad news, right? Because you have to depend a lot on others Um, because as a project manager or project coordinator, you're not physically doing anything onto the final product. You might look at it and you might, you know, know the technical side of it or not. Um, But you're not actually like, machining, painting, coding, you're not the one physically doing it. So you have to rely a lot on your operations team, your quality team for inspection, your accountant to help you with finances and your budget, um, upper management if, you know, problems escalate, your clients. So it's, there's a lot to learn and to improve as a project coordinator and a project manager um, always. So I am three years into this role and I learn something new every single day. And I know other project managers that have been in the same role for 10, 14 years and they still are learning something new every single day. And I think that's, that's very neat. That's, that's something that, um, retains me in this group because one, the people are great and I feel very supported. And I also want to be able to talk about, you know, managers, um, uh, being sponsors and being supportive. Um, but everyone in the team, I feel like I have developed a really good relationship with. And, um, you know, I, it's kind of, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Um, we, we've gone to that kind of relationship throughout. And, um, that's why I want to stay in project management. Um, yeah. So is the, is the coordinator in this case, like, is it just a matter like you're doing project management, but at a at an earlier stage or or so project coordinator it comes first and then eventually you move up to a project manager if you don't have previous project manager experience. So that's that's how it works. For me, project coordinator, it was different when I first started than the project coordinator role that I'm doing now. Why? Because when I first started, I was kind of shadowing a project manager and I was helping him with reporting duties, um, managing the operations team, uh, getting familiar with the quality process, getting familiar with everything. So 
I was kind of more shadowing in a shadowing role until that project scope ended. Once it ended, I got moved on to two different project or projects slash scopes. One was a project, one was a scope. Um, and I got to learn a little bit more of like, okay, this is how these are the changes among projects, right? You're going to work with different people. The processes usually stay the same. Your clients are going to change. This is how it's going to change. And this is what you need to, how you need to adapt. Um, and then at, I think Q2, so it's almost the middle of the year last year is when I finally was handed my own project. So even though in title, I'm a project coordinator, I am the project lead or project manager for this specific small project. Um, so essentially what I'm doing right now is learning what it's like to be a project manager and checking off my checklist so that once this project ends, then I can, you know, show my proof and say, hey, I have my PMP certification. I have completed this project successfully. This is what I've learned. I would like to invest or I would like to look into what uh, what I have, what else I have to do or complete in order to get that project manager role. Yeah, no, title. I, I, I wanted to dig into this because right, you're a recruiter. I'm a recruiter. Sometimes I'll mm-hmm. talk to a student and I, this is geared towards somebody early, you know, early, very early career or a student mm-hmm. and and. I'll talk to them and I'm trying to understand what it is that they like to do. What kind of work do they like to do? And they'll come out and say, well, I like project management. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like, and I know that in the back of their heads, they're probably thinking, man, I really enjoy, like I'm on a, on my capstone class or I'm doing this project with the school and I really liked leading that team. And then like you dig more and it's like, but they also enjoyed the hands-on aspect and the technical and it's like, well, you do know, like project management in the in out as as a professional, it's like it's more it's less technical. It's more message management, right? Understanding yep. overall what you know, conflict like you talked management. about conflict, accounting, finances. It's like, yep. do you enjoy all that stuff? And then I've I've had that conversation. It's like, oh no no no, I don't. That's not no. That's not what I like. <laughs> like I don't yeah. want to. Not yet. So it's like okay. Mm-hmm. So you're more at that point. It's like those folks may be interested in having roles where they're able to have, let's call it leadership opportunities, but not necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, being in what we know as, um, uh, as project management, right? So yeah. It's, it's, it it yeah. can be, mean something different, uh, for you, are, are you getting certifications along the way in, in project management or is that all, this all internal, uh, internally supported by, by where you work? So, yes, I am actually working towards my PMP right now. Um, I actually just finished a boot camp last week and I'm uh, continuing on with a study group. Uh, And I'm hoping that by October of this year, I will have that PMP at the end of my name. So any positive energy, any positive vibes. If you can send that my way, wow. I would appreciate it. We'll, we'll be following that. I look forward to seeing the post because I know yeah. uh, it's gonna it's gonna happen. So, so yeah. I I mentioned to you earlier that one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is because you're in that sweet spot of of being a professional. That first five years, mm-hmm. right? You're still yep. you're not brand new, right? But you're still not you're not old, <laughs> right? right. You still, but you've had an opportunity now through various roles. 
to really see what let's just call it corporate America is right. It's mm-hmm. it's you, you and we've alluded to some of the elements around working hard, building a reputation. I know you mentioned like hey, and we'll get to that. You want to talk about finding management that'll sponsor you and, and help you manage careers. I'm sure you've gone through your fair share of of performance assessments and how do you deal with those and how do you you know develop so. And so within these five years, you've experienced that bit and you kind of have a handle of, of, of what what to expect at this point year over year. So it's a lot, but I'm going to ask you the very broad question, like any what are you, what are your hindsight thoughts? Like what have you learned about yourself in the last five years? What what has surprised you about your experience in corporate America? Is it what you expected? So let's just talk generally as a five year professional, like. Where, where's your head at and what are some of your points of reflection? I think the biggest thing for me, when I first started, I was very scared to make a mistake, right? I'm scared to ask a wrong question or a question that may be silly or dumb. Um, you know, and if I'm, especially if I'm the only girl in the room or the youngest person in the room, right? I, I don't want to be a part of any stereotype or anything like that. Um, what I've learned along the way is that there are so many people, majority of people just go along and pretend like they know what they're doing. And I, I was told this by one of my, actually by my current manager. And the more that I kind of interact with all of these different people that I'm like, man, that this person always knows the right answer or, Oh, I can always go to her or, you know, I, I started to, pay attention to how they carry themselves and what they actually know and don't know. And yeah, you get in your head because this is, it's so true. There are a lot of people that just, you know, they don't know what they're doing either. They're trying to do their best and you know, it's just confidence. So I think that gives me faith uh, and, and more confidence that, you know, I'm here for a reason and I obviously am, I contribute well enough and to be a part of the table and um, I am not less than any one person here. I I am my own person and, um, and I can do this. Cause sometimes I I do get it in my head and I'm like, you know, a little bit of imposter syndrome. And and I think a lot of, a lot of people talk about this, um, but it's just, it's not enough. Right. Cause it, it touches me too. It, It affects me too. And I think, some of my friends are like, what? But like, you, you've you done this, you've done that. And I'm like, yeah, but I get in my own head too. I don't want to sound dumb or sound silly. But everybody's in the same, the exact same position. Yeah, not everybody knows everything. So, so how, do, how, do hindsight, you, how have you dealt with that? How have you dealt with that? What moments when you get in your own head? Well, which are very often... <laughs> Which are very often. I think sometimes I do kind of wallow in it. Um, but I think that's why I have developed a really good com- um, relationship with my manager. And whenever I do have these sort of doubts or um, I just want to run something by him, I just, you know, I run by his office or I just ping him if I'm working from home. So right now we're doing a little bit of both. Um, and he always makes time for all of his um, for, I guess all of his direct reports. And, um, I asked him, you know, Hey, do you think 
that how do you think about what do you think about my feedback or my performance or what I did or what I said in this meeting or so I, I talked to him about it and he's very candid about it too. Um, and for the most part, it's just, I'm in my own head and it's refreshing and nice to hear from somebody else that I look up to that, you know, that I, uh, believe in and, and have developed this really good relationship with to tell me that like, Hey, you're in, you're getting in your own head. Look, you're doing really well. You're performing at your, you know, at a really good level and you're doing what you need to be doing. So don't worry about it. Um, I think that's been the biggest thing. And then also when I talk to work mentors or even my friends, I have specific friends that I talk to specifically about work because there are certain people that you can have these kinds of conversations and they'll be productive and other friends where it's just like, okay, well, they're just fun friends, you know? And I mean, I don't know if that's an unpopular opinion, but I, I feel that way. No, it, it, we have... There's always got to be different folks in your, let's call it network. I know it's a very professional mm -hmm. word, but in, in your list of people mm -hmm. to talk to, I certainly have some friends and acquaintances that aren't going to help me one bit in progressing mm -hmm. my career. But man, we have yeah. a lot of fun. So, <laughs> but I yeah. get that. So, so, so that's, uh, that is definitely part of the mix. And I think it keeps us uh, genuine, right? It helps like you're not mm -hmm. completely like, forgetting you know who you are in a sense right i think that phrase gets overused but having that mix and and, and not making it all you know uh just one way in other words not just seeking like to do the professional thing 100 percent. i think that's healthy yeah. i think that's uh mm -hmm. i think that's fine so it's important to identify those at work too right because sometimes when you get so fed up or just like frustrated it might not just be it might not be like you getting in your head, but you're frustrated about something that happened or is happening. And you'd be like, okay, I need a break. Then you go visit like your, your work friends, yeah. like your coworkers that are also friends. And it's, it's nice to just, you know, talk it up and chat it up for, you know, five, 10 minutes, whether it's like on a call or, or in person. And then it's like, okay, back to work. But now you're refreshed and, you know, you can tackle things in a better perspective. So in the last five years, right, how many supervisors, managers have you had that you reported to? Uh, I've had six in my first two years and two in the last three years. Okay. So, so eight. So eight. So you've had, mm -hmm. you've had some experiences with the variety mm -hmm. of, of management styles and so on. And maybe Ooh, this gives you an yeah. avenue to like talk about what you wanted to earlier about, you know, those that sponsor, but I'm going to ask it more generally. So as a, as an early career person, what makes a good manager? Let's start with, let's start with the positive. What makes a, from your opinion, what are the qualities of a good supervisor, manager, you know, boss? A good manager will be transparent with you and give you constructive feedback that, that will obviously help you. Right. Um, and the transparency thing comes in with, I, I'm thinking of my current manager right now. He's very transparent, transparent when it comes to like, Hey, there are a couple of job opportunities that are throwing out your name. This is what it is. Are you interested? Now, if I didn't have such a supportive manager, I mean, they would have just said like, no, and robbed me of like even having the choice of considering those opportunities. Right. Um, and when it comes to my evaluations or performance um, 
assessments every year, every half year. Um, he always tells me like, Hey, I think you do X, Y, Z. Great. I think moving forward, ABC, you need to improve. And, and I definitely, like, I mean, that's, that's how I'm going to be able to improve in project management, right? Because eventually I want to get to project manager. Like I talked about maybe even something higher, but let me get to project manager first. Um, <laughs> I, I think that's very valuable, super important for transparency, communication. Um, and also one that is not afraid to let you make a few mistakes, right? Because I'm a huge believer in, okay, you made a mistake. What did you learn from it? Right. Obviously I don't want to lose the company like $10 million. I'm not talking about those kinds of mistakes, but you know, smaller mistakes like, Oh, you know what? We passed the deadline on this one document. Okay. Well, why? All right. It was my fault. Okay. Why? What can I, what did I learn? What can I uh, improve moving forward or something, you know, something on a smaller scale. Um, I think he, he does a really good job of uh, telling me like, Hey, you know, this, we really need to improve because X, Y, Z was affected moving forward. What do you think? He, before he tells me what he thinks I should be doing, he kind of asks me about, I guess, feedback on myself. And, and I really appreciate that. So let's go on the other side of the spectrum. Uh, what have you seen not work? I have been, so this is kind of like in the middle where I'm at right now with my current manager is kind of in the middle. So he, he's a really good balance. In my first year, I actually had a micromanager and a, the complete extreme of like, well, you can do whatever you want and just report to me. And I'm kind of like, what do you mean? <laughs> so fresh out of college, you know, I was, and, and then I was used to a micromanaging style where I had to report at the end of every uh, workday what I had done and what I'm going to do the next day. And that's on top of the standups that we had every morning where I would report on what I was doing and what I had completed up until that point. Um, and sometimes I would even get asked right after right after lunch, hey, what's the status? And so th there was a lot, <laughs> there was a lot of micromanaging there. Um, but so that was my first six months. And then for the latter of that year, um, it was just kind of, I went in to my first meeting with this manager and I was excited. I'm like, okay, what are the expectations for this role? What are you expecting out of me? Uh, what are some of the deliverables or objectives you want me to hit in this rotation? Well, you know, I think the best, um, and this is this is what he told me. I think the best um, rotation engineers are the ones that go out and find projects themselves. So go out there and find one, and um, yeah, you just report back. And the I'm looking world, at this man. Yeah, the world is your oyster, Cindy. Go yeah. conquer it. And I'm like, but I'm a dragon. Like what? <laughs> Oysters. <laughs> like I was, it was very stressful. Um, the good thing about the, being a rotational engineer though, there is another manager that manages that 
program, okay. right? So even though I'm in a different facility and I have that manager to directly directly report to, I had a functional manager that was overlooking the, uh, the program. So I went to her and I asked her, you know, for some guidance um, before, you know, I had to escalate because I obviously I'd like to develop good relationships first and try whatever cards I have in my hand to try and make things work. Um, so I even talked to, so when I got her guidance, her feedback, I tried that nothing was really working. I was going out to the shop, trying to find things to do, trying to talk to everybody, get to know the operators. Cause you know, my mom says I'm a perica, so I know how to talk. And, um, I was talking to anybody and everybody like, look, what's wrong or what's broken. Let me fix it. Let me try and take on any and all projects. Um, and I think it was about three or four months in and he didn't really give me any kind of feedback ever. I'd say like, Oh, today I did this, this and that. He'd be like, mm, okay. And that was it. And I'm like, okay, I, I need more. So I expressed, I was like, okay, I need I mean, do you, are you happy with my performance? Are you not? What's something I could improve in? Maybe specifically in these things that I'm doing. And I just never got anything. Um, so I just kind of talked to other managers and I worked that, and that was my quality rotation. So I just tried to apply anything quality to whatever I could find. Um, eventually he moved out of the company and we had my previous manager from the first one came in to fill in for his role. <laughs> and so it was great. Um, it was, it was definitely an experience, but I think I definitely grew um, from those two managers, like seeing both extremes and um, also managing that change. That's a very big change. Jumping from point A to point Z back to point A yeah. In two different roles, I think is very challenging and you can, you either sink or you float. And I, I felt like I, I was floating barely, but floating. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm you, surviving. So you mentioned like right now your current boss, he's kind of like a balance. Was that, did y'all fine tune that over time or was this, did he just happen to have that gear? Um, it's, it was, it's very interesting because when I first started, so he's always been my manager, but when I first started, he was not the project manager that I was under. So I didn't work with him closely every day. I worked with this specific project manager. This project manager then reported on my performance to my direct manager and told him like, hey, I think she does really well in XYZ. I think she needs to improve ABC. Um, and so he didn't really have a lot of firsthand, like firsthand knowledge of how I acted around, you know, the group or in the project itself. Um, so he's, he was just kind of going off of, um, whatever the project director and the project manager, um, gave him as feedback. As far as this current project that I'm leading, he's actually my project, um, advisor that I go to. So I talk to him probably every single day about something in regards to this project. Um, and he, from even from the get-go, he wasn't very in my business. 
Um, he was not a micromanager. Um, he would follow up. I think he would follow up about maybe every two weeks for at the beginning. And then once I started to, I guess once the project kind of started to kind of gear up and ramp up because we added a couple of different scopes to it, then he would check in with me every, every week to see if I was doing well, if I needed any help. Um, and then I also kind of got accustomed to talking to him. So I started asking him more questions, whether it's questions that were, you know, um, related to something that was critical to the project or like, oh, hey, by the way, I was wondering this process improvement um, topic. Can we talk about it? Or, oh, I was thinking about recruiting. What is your feedback? So we would start to talk about things not related to the project, but still work uh, topics. And I think that's what really gave him an idea as to who I am and what is important to me and how I work um, and what makes me thrive. Because although recruiting is not something that's directly related to project management or to the group, it is something that makes keeps me happy and, and excited. Um, and it's really refreshing to know that he supports it 100%. So if there's a career fair uh, in Houston, it I just have to make sure that, you know, I get my things done and I'll be able to go. I'll be able to represent the company. And he has no problem with that. Whereas I know that there are other managers that, you know, don't really ask for feedback or don't really care about what their employees or direct report um, care about or make them thrive or bring excitement to them. Um, so I, I, that's why I can't, I can't talk about my manager, my current manager enough because from the get go, he's been um, very supportive and just a very good manager for me personally. I will say at the beginning, it was a little, it was a little hesitant right? Because how close do I want to get to my manager? Yeah. Um, but that's something that just came with experience. Because I, I, in my second year, I had really good managers, but they were always busy. So there was no way of me ever trying to, you know, develop a, um, a deeper relationship or, you know, something other than work. Um, yeah. And whereas like this time around, it was a little bit different because I wasn't at a facility, at a facility. I'm at an office, so it's kind of different. Um, but I would say from the beginning, he, we had a really good balance. I just was intimidated too because he's more on the quiet side, and sometimes he doesn't laugh at certain jokes. And I love to crack jokes. <laughs> I love to crack jokes. I like to say certain things, and then there are a few times where he just kind of like. Mm. Okay, like he'd nod and then just kind of like look away, and I'm like, okay, that was a fail. You're like, oh <laughs> <Done."> man. <laughs> now I can I can totally see that one where you would get in your head, like, oh, crash and burn, never mind. Yes, <laughs> and then I just think about it afterwards and be like, oh my god, does he hate me? Like, what happened? And then and then later on, like he'd crack a joke. I'm like, oh, okay, no, like we're, we're cool. back, we're, we're good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just think like. Kind of getting to know your manager like that, just like through an extensive period of time, I think it's, it's, it's an experience. And for me, it's been a very positive one. That's good. All right. So let's, let's, uh, let's talk about something else. So when you're not mm -hmm. working, what do you do? What are you, what are you oh. into? So I 
am like a jack of all trades. Okay. Um, and I say this because I love doing all the hobbies. Um, one that is very consistent though, I am very into fitness. I've always like loved being, you know, in the gym, training, just having that raw like strength and uh, I love it. I love it. So right now I'm going to the gym four times a week. Um, and I'm focusing on establishing an evening routine, um, making sure I have my macros, which are protein, carbs, and fats, making sure I stay within my macros with, you know, my, uh, at home meals, um, and drinking a lot of water. People can't see what I'm drinking right now, but I have a half gallon in my hand right now that I'm almost done with. So I'm very excited about that. Um, yeah. So I love fitness, staying healthy, eating, making healthy choices, things like that. I love food. I'm a foodie at heart. Um, I love going out to new restaurants. Sushi is my favorite, um, yeah. absolute favorite of all time since the moment I first tried it back in like ninth grade. Yeah. Yeah. My mom says it's for rich. Well, she used to say sushi was for rich people until she started liking it enough to where it became her favorite food. And now I tell her like, ah, it is rica, whatever. And she's like, no, it's just, it's just it's food. Good. I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, so I love food, love fitness. Um, I love puzzles. That's what I'm, I'm actually doing right now. I have a puzzle waiting for me upstairs. Um, I, I just love like things that challenge me. So that's why I also love strategy, strategy games like, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Seven Wonders, kind of like a strategy, yeah. like Big Brains type of game. Um, Castle on the Hill, I think Betrayal on the Hill. House of, I don't know, but it's it's like a spooky um, strategy game. I like that. Those kinds of games, board games. Um, hey, on the puzzles, like, do you build them and then do you break them back down, or do you? It depends. Do you? Frame them, glue them, and frame them? Like, what do you do? It depends. I have framed them. I have glued them onto, like, a piece of wood and put it, stuck it on frame and, like, hung it up. Um, but it depends. If I really like the aesthetic of the – or the picture enough yeah. and I think it matches the room, the vibe of the room or whatever, then, yes, I will hang it up, glue it, and everything. If not, I'll just, like, oh, it's nice. All right, let's put it back into the box. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do that. Like we 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 went through a, a period, Alyssa and I and the kids, where we would do puzzles, and mm-hmm. I was one that got to frame it, got to frame it. Like at the time too, I was doing like uh, woodworking, and look, we didn't do a ton, but there was a few that I was like, man, when we would like break them down, it's like, wow, that was like a lot of work for us tearing it back down. Yeah. But then you get to do it again. Well, I don't know. You won't catch me doing the same puzzle <laughs> twice. Like, no, I really, that was a lot of work. And I can look at the box and know what the picture is already. <laughs> so I like to again. do it. Like, like I have to wait in a year at least to be able to do it again. Okay. So I won't do it again, like right away, but I'll definitely wait at least a year. Um, something I've also done before is like traded puzzles. Okay. Traded puzzles, like, okay, well, I'm done with this puzzle. I didn't really like it, or like, I don't care for it. Here, let's trade. And then the, uh, and so I get new puzzles, but I don't like anything less than a thousand pieces. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> you said nothing less than a thousand. Yes. 
Yes. Not, not like up to, like nothing. So what's the, the biggest puzzle you've made? I think it was a 2,000, uh, 2000 piece puzzle. I've done some 1500s. I've done a 2000 piece puzzle. I just haven't done one by myself because I always get like either my, my friends or my parents or my boyfriend to like help. And I'm just kind of, I like internally, right? Cause I don't want to be mean, but I'm just kind of like, man, I wish I could just do this alone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so is it, is, is that your, is that your introvert moment that gets disrupted? Yes. I like journaling too. Um, and I will say, oh, there at some point in time, I was pursuing my solo skydiving um, credentials. Mm-hmm. Uh, and did you do it or you're, you, you didn't no, finish? No, I didn't finish it. So I did my first three jumps. I think I did my first three jumps. And so the first one is tandem. The second one, I think, is also tandem. I might be wrong. And then the third one your instructor just holds on to you. Yeah. So you're not in tandem anymore, but you're also not solo. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, I don't know. It, it was kind of cool. A little scary, but kind of cool. Makes you feel very alive. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do it because they, um, where I went, they have a really cool program where you take an entire week off from work. You go and they like, you can stay there with them for the entire week. And I think it's like two or $3,000. And you do all of your 25, I think, I believe they have 25 jumps you have to complete and you have to complete certain, uh, certain tasks or certain objectives with every jump that you take. Um, and then you, after that, you're completely certified to solo sky jump or skydive. So like you started, but why aren't you, I'm like, why aren't you going to (laughs) finish? Um, it's very far. (laughs) It's very far. And I've always had this, I also love to travel, right? And I've always had this mentality of, well, if I'm not going to take a day off unless I am leaving out of town, I'm traveling somewhere. So I've always, and I mean, that's just how I was right after school. Um, I'm not taking a vacation day unless I'm actually on vacation somewhere not in the United States. Okay. So favorite vacation? What's favorite been, vacation? Yeah, what's been your favorite vacation so far? I went to Thailand with one of my friends back in twenty November 2019, actually like three months before COVID hit. Um, I went to Thailand. We had a layover in Japan for about 10 hours. We actually had to uh, change airports. So we landed... I forgot the name of the airport, but I think we had to switch to the Narita airport and we had to go to the city. So we went to Tokyo. We ate some ramen, some sushi, some, I love going to 7-Elevens in different countries because each 7-Eleven in different countries have different things and different foods. And it's just a culture shock. I love it. Um, which I know might sound crazy if you've never done it before, but I mean, we had breakfast in Thailand at a 7-Eleven at six in the morning and it was <laughs> like chef's kiss it was really good and like it was cheesy bread we had dim sum and then ramen it was great this is this is their 
they're like hot and ready food you're talking about like here where you know what's funny they don't have hot and ready food the way that we have in the united states oh, okay they have things that are packaged but they will cook it for you there so they'll like they'll you know steam your dumplings they'll make your cheesy bread like they'll toast it and it'll, it'll be nice and crunchy not some like soggy ass pizza like <laughs> no that's it for a second there. I'm like, are we? Are you telling me that there's a version of the tornadoes in, you know, the, or hot dogs that you're? Is that what we're talking about? Like that's where my head went. No, it's like no, no that's not I what know, we're I know, and that's what I thought. But like, you walk in and it's like they have legit restaurant quality food, and it's. I think it's such a shame that in in the states, you know, a lot of like, um, Seven Elevens or just like gas station food has a negative connotation because everywhere outside the United States, I feel like um, convenience store food is actually really good. When did you first notice that? Um, you know, I don't know. Cause that was interesting. I've always loved (laughs) 7-Eleven. Okay. (laughs) I've always loved 7-Eleven and maybe I just went because I was like, Oh, this is something I'm familiar with. But then I wasn't familiar with all of the food. And I was like, this is actually really cool. That's and then that's why I started talking mm-hmm. about it. And then I, ever since then, I like wherever there's a 7-Eleven in a different country that I've never been to, it's a must hit for me. I have to go. Do you, like, do you go? Do you know that ahead of time or do you happen to run into it? Like, Oh, no, I do my research. So it's like, okay, I'm going to be in this area. Is there a 7-Eleven? Yes. Okay. I will walk. I will make my 6K steps that day going to 7-Eleven. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Well, look, I'm not surprised. I'm never surprised. I shouldn't. I keep saying this probably in every episode, but we literally burned an hour. And that was after you sat there and watched me fumble with my technical difficulties. (laughs) So I've certainly gone over on, on on our time commitment, but... Uh, it's been fun, right? This has been great. I know there's probably things that we said we were going to cover that we didn't, but hey, that's what happens in these cases. It is what it is, yeah. Uh, but certainly, thank you for your time. If somebody wants to, you know, reach you or connect with you, what's the best way to do it? Yes, um, I am available on. So I'm available. I am on LinkedIn, okay. Cindy Sanchez. I am available on Facebook, Instagram, on Instagram. I am Danelli808. That's D-A-N-E-L-Y-808. That's my middle name. Um, yeah, but uh, Instagram, I tend to um, reply a lot faster than all the other ones. Um, and then my email, I love looking over resumes. I look over resumes all the time, not just for recruiting, but to help friends out as well. Um, so my email is C-I-N-D-Y-S-1217 at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, good luck cool. to everyone. I'll, I'll make sure and put all that in the uh, show notes so that someone's, if they're frantically trying to write right now, they don't have to. They can just look at the show notes later. So Okay. Mm-hmm. Cindy, thanks again. Appreciate your time. Of course. Thank you so much.